the volume. Soup with Coop is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. My next guest on Soup with Coop is the greatest wrestler of all time. The greatest wrestler of all time. That's the way I say it. The nature boy, Ric Flair. Welcome to Soup with Coop, my friend. Thank you. I'm honored. Are you comfortable with that introduction? Is that is that is that right down the alley for you, the, the greatest of all time? I'm in the conversation, you know, and just to be honest with you, when you're my age and to even be in the conversation with all the phenomenal um, wrestlers that have come down the road, you know, it'll be 50 years for me that I will have been in the business next year. So I've got to live long enough to celebrate the 50th anniversary. Um, yeah, I'm just thrilled to be in the conversation. I, uh, I do think that uh, if, 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 what I do feel comfortable in saying is that I've, a lot of people have, have learned a lot from me and uh, that I've got a cross demographic appeal, which has been great that I didn't realize, you know, until 20 years after I was doing it. So that's always rewarding. But just to even be talking to you, the fact, and I always ask, when someone asks me to do something, I said, did, did Colin actually ask for me? And they said, yeah. So that's what's cool for me. I, I don't I don't want I don't want to be the second draw. Does that make sense? No. We no, no, no. I don't mean from you. I meant from the from the company. When when they if I want to be the guy that uh, just asked for first or, I, you know, I'm at the point right now. I If, if I'm not first, I'm not going to do it. So I'm honored to be here. How about that? I, I could honestly say I don't think we'll ever have another wrestler on Soup with Coop. It's it's, you know, again, you're the man, you got to beat the man. So you are. You are the lone wolf when it comes there you to go. Well, I'll take that for sure. Um, Rick, I know we're having a little soup today. Is uh, what, what do we have? What are you having in front of you? Well, I got tomato. Oh, that's what we requested, right? You, I mean, you know, I just I thought oh, as usual, I got some. Wait a minute. Huh? Am I supposed to have some now? No, tomatoes exactly. It's on the menu for me too. Um, do you normally? Do you normally? partake in a little soup from time to time is that is that part of your your diet i do but i um i i like cream free cream free base soups and that's not, not just because i've gotten older i've never liked cream i drank enough milk you know trying to get big when i was young um you know for football and weight lifts and everything else to last a lifetime so I think, I, you know, the vitamin D and the dairy products I've had enough of now, as you know, the cream can, can build up <laughs> in the wrong areas. <laughs> so growing up, I know you were always in athletics, mm-hmm. love sports. Um, did you have early heroes in the, in the world of sports, football players, basketball players, wrestlers? I just had two. Uh, and, uh, the two guys that I, I and I get asked that question a lot that I just thought were the end of the world were Joe Namath and Will Chamberlain. So, um, yeah, and I mean, I still, uh, 
Um, I like to look at YouTube and look back at Wilt and, um, you know, I still say he's the greatest. He, he just, you know, the, the, the accomplishments get diminished as time goes on, obviously. Um, but with, with, with YouTube and the fact that you can Google and look back at this guy that was a, a you know, two sports star at University of Kansas, you know, I mean, track and field, who, who would have thought a guy seven foot tall, 300 pounds, could run a sub 50 second 400 meter, right? Throw their shot put over 50 feet. I mean, high jump, I mean, and then go on to have this phenomenal career in the NBA. And even though Al Cinder, you know, got the best of them a few times they played, it, it was later in his career. And, uh, but he was just a phenomenal athlete. So I, and to score hundred points, regardless of the fact that he was tall or not. I mean, hundred points is hundred points. To average 50 points the game, 25 rebounds. Yeah. I'm very good at sports. <laughs> so and Joe and Joe Namath sitting there on there, laying there on that, and, and I'm sure Brittany will agree with this. Joe's sitting in the lounge chair in Miami Beach predicting the win over the Baltimore Colts was the greatest I've ever seen. <laughs> so when I was just the right age to really appreciate that. He's only a few years older than I am, and I've gotten to meet both Wilt and Joe over the years. So great respect for them both. And it doesn't surprise me at all that those two would be heroes of you, of yours, because you're, they were both legendary ladies, men and flashy yeah. and great. I mean, great dressers and yeah. love yeah. style that had to be, those two had to be pretty, a pretty big influence throughout your entire. Oh yeah. I like, uh, I don't remember, you know, um, I never heard Will talk about anything. I've looked back on interviews now, but, um, um, which he, you know, he was very entertaining, but he was very confident. But Joe Namath was, yeah, he was the epitome of style, the mink coat. Of course, I had to go buy myself a couple of mink coats over my lifetime. <laughs> Maybe just two. And clothes I just always loved. And I thought, uh, you know, but if you, over the years, you know, it's like, I, I know everybody is entitled to their, their, their choice of clothing. But I mean, if you look at Michael Jordan, you know, I just dressed immaculately. Um, and I've always been, uh, I've just always been fascinated, uh, you know, by people's choice in clothing. And, uh, but, you know, I, I just think it's always nice if you're a professional. Like my dad told me one time, my dad was a, a doctor in Minneapolis. And he said, uh, what would you think, what would you think a patient of mine would think if I walked out in shower shoes and said, you're next. <laughs> Come in, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that you no know, comments from my dad over the years got my attention, but um, you know, I've always liked nice clothes. Um, much, much to my dismay, my clothes. <laughs> you, you mentioned your dad, Rick, and I know um, he was probably not a not a sports guy. If no, when raising you, did he have aspirations for you to go in a certain field? Because you were, did, did he? No, none. Nothing. No, the greatest parents in the world, but they were they weren't. Um, you know, I, I I feel bad because I think in my 30 for 30, you know, my ex-wife wanted to portray him as being not, they were, they were into my life. I was just out of control ahead of my time. You know what I mean? But it wasn't because of, they didn't care. And I did so much with them as a kid traveling, you know, driving across country, 
from Minneapolis to Disneyland, to the World's Fair in Seattle, to the World's Fair in New York in 1964. I mean, I did a lot of fabulous stuff with my parents, but I just, at 15, I was ready to be the nature boy. <laughs> and I was moving on. And they, they put me in a private school and uh, I went in January of my freshman year and I ended up staying five years. You could do the math on that. <laughs> Obviously. You were pacing yourself, right? Hey, yeah, okay. they, hey, they, they, they called it a postgraduate year, but let's just, I failed English my senior year, so I was back. Wow. Yeah, and I failed Latin too, but who, 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 the, who that we're on, uh, on, on a monitor with now? has taken Latin and used it in life. <laughs> I was a Latin scholar, Rick. There you go. Well, well, my hat's off to you. Oh, yeah. Seven years you, of Latin. You and Mr. You and Mr. Tucker at Wayland Academy. <laughs> I, I'm glad you had Mr. Tucker. I had Dr. Beveridge. She was a... There you go. All right. She felt sorry for me. I wasn't very good at it, but I stuck it out there. Oh, uh, yeah. man. Peyton always gives me a hard time. He says, all I learned in Latin was simper ubi sub ubi, which means always wear underwear, which I don't think you follow that rule very well, Rick. <laughs> No, never. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Rick, you you mentioned you were a style guy and on the road. I'm all I'm really curious to the road in the wrestling world. You know, everybody going mm -hmm. from town to town. In some cases, small cities to small cities. Mm -hmm. was, was everybody getting along? Was it fun? And when you dressed up and everybody else is just wearing a pair of jeans and t-shirts, did you look particularly better? I wore a suit every day. Really? I did. Yeah. I, you know, I can't tell you why right now. I just wanted to be different. And uh, obviously, you know, one of the reasons I'm here today with you is that I just, I wanted to be the best at what I did for a living. And I wanted to look the best, you know, along with that mantle of being the best. I think I, in my mind, it, it the included looking the best. You know, I never had the best physique in wrestling. I, that I'm the first to admit that, but I was in better shape than anybody I ever got in the ring with, or as good. Um, and I I looked the part going in the arena, I looked the part going out. I can't say I was a cosmetic um, wonder to anybody's eyes, but you know I stayed in really good shape. And and back to back to your high school days, you you were how big were you in high school? And I know you were getting recruited by some schools. Wound up going to the University of Minnesota. Eight, kind of I got I, I got recruited by. Uh, I can still. I got recruited by eighteen Division One schools. Yeah, Iowa. The three biggest being Iowa, Minnesota, and, and Michigan. And I signed a letter of intent uh, with Michigan, and my academic advisor wouldn't write that he thought. And you know what I'm talking about when I say he didn't think I would predict. Does that right. make sense? So I ended up going to Minnesota, but uh, I had great weekends. Uh, I stayed at the Beta House in Michigan with Jim Mandich and uh, Dan Deardorff, two names out of the past, right? That's and yeah, and then I stayed in Iowa with um, God. Oh, I just had his name, the kid that played for the Chiefs, the quarterback. Um, not Lenny Dawson. He was at Purdue. No, 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 no. Not not Lenny's age. Um, oh, it'll come to me anyway. I spent the weekend with with a. A kid that went on to play for the Chiefs, um, running back and quarterback. It'll come to me. But anyway, I had oh, a great Ed Podolak. Eddie Podolak. Yeah. Yep. There you go. And uh, Ray Nagley was the coach then, and uh, 
Bump Elliott was the coach at Michigan and Murray Warmath was the coach at Minnesota. And then I got recruited by a bunch of uh, smaller division one schools, but. How big of a guy schools. were you coming out of high school? Uh, I, well, I, um, 230 pounds when I graduated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I ran, a, I ran a very slow 40 when I got to Minnesota. So I went from being a linebacker and most definitely from being a fullback <laughs> to an offensive guard. But I, I really never had the height. People asked me if I could have played pro and I, the answer is no, a six foot one at that time before the airplane crash. Um, a six foot offensive guard and a pro didn't make it back then. You know what I mean? So that, that would have been, that's one of the reasons I, I used for an excuse that I didn't follow up. The actual reason is I got, I joined a fraternity and that was, <laughs> Uh, I, I was. Think, I, I, I think you made the right choice, Rick. Yeah, it worked out for me. Thank you. Now, as a wrestler, you're trying to find your your image. You turn pro. Your first real wrestling matches in 1972. You're kind of trying to find your way. You don't become the Nature Boy until 1978. Do you look Six. back at those? Oh, 76. Excuse me. Yeah. So, in those, do you ever look back at some of the footage, or is there footage of those couple of years, and you're looking at yourself going? I'm just not myself. I mean, I, I'm. Yeah, but most definitely, I, I needed to lose weight, and it, as as terrible as the airplane crash was, uh, and it you know could have affected my career forever. It ultimately didn't, but the doctors originally told me I'd never wrestle again because I broke my back in three places. But losing that weight, I was 255 at that time. And I went down to 180 pounds wow. and I never got, I never got over 240 again. And that was 235, 240 was my best weight. And I feel like I was cosmetically at my best. Now it's, it's hard not to mention weight and not talk about one of the other great wrestlers in your era, Andre the Giant. Y'all, y'all came up together. What, I mean, kind of a mythical human being there and everybody's in a mysterious guy. What, what, what kind of guy was Andre and what was y'all's relationship? Well, Andre started in Montreal in 72, the same time I started. And uh, Jean Ferrer or Andre Rusimov, I'm not sure which name. He, anyway, he came to Minneapolis to complete his training while I was there. And uh, Vern Gagne, the promoter and the guy that broke me in, had me drive Andre around. Um, you know, like the Chicago and Milwaukee from Minneapolis or any marquee event that he was at, usually just the big cities. And so I just drove Andre down and then like in Chicago, they didn't put this in the HBO special. I would take him to Rush Street, man. It was, it was a great time. (laughs) He was the carrot. (laughs) Every woman alive is fascinated by a seven foot four man. (laughs) <laughs> I know what a tag team that was. I mean, oh, man. Really well, I wasn't a, I wasn't a nature boy. I was just a fat boy then. But <laughs> now, <laughs> if I had the nature boy, if I had the nature boy going on back then, we would have had a lot more fun. <laughs> did you ever witness some of his? I mean, his his beer drinking skills are yeah. legendary. I was I was at the legendary one that I tell. That people to this day question, I don't know how they could. I was with Angela Mosca, who is still living, but Angela's got 
Alzheimer's really bad. He's up in, uh, oh God, just out of Toronto. Anyway, um, he played, he's in Hamilton. He played for the Tiger Cats there. And, uh, but in 74, there was a bar across the street or two blocks down from where he used to wrestle at, the downtown or hotel with a bar in it. And uh, he had a, a, a manager that traveled with him then, Frank Belois. So Frank Belois, myself, Angelo Mosca, and a couple of other guys you wouldn't know, Frank Morrell. And he drank 106 beers. Yep. <laughs> Frank, Frank Belois drank 54. The guy with him, yeah. What, how many did you have? Well, back then I could probably drink 20, 22, five hour period of time, yeah. But for Andre, you, you have to remember, you couldn't see a beer can in Andre's hand. This is before bottled beer was all in a can, you know what I mean? And in Charlotte back then, it was just uh, brown bagging. It was no liquor. So um, it was just beer. And later on, I mean, I've seen him drink I've seen him drink a half gallon of wine or a gallon of wine, you know, from Greenville, South Carolina Ooh. at five o'clock in the afternoon to Greensboro and then wrestle that <laughs> and tell the promoter to go get more wine when he got to the town. So, but he's a big guy. He was 540 pounds and he was a man and he, you know, wasn't afraid to say what he thought. And he drew a lot of money. When Andre came to town, it was a payday for everybody, myself included, you know. And uh, he sold out every time. And, um, you know, Vince McMahon treated him great. Um, I think Vince, I'm not sure what year Vince started booking him, but um, yeah, he was just a tremendous guy. Ultimately, uh, and I've talked about this before, but he never had any privacy. You know, they talk about Muhammad Ali and you talk about Michael Jordan or whoever, you know, as being so recognizable and never having that moment of privacy. Right. Andre couldn't go anywhere. I mean, where does a guy seven foot four, 540 pounds go to hide? Even if he went and sat in the, say the crown room, which they didn't have back in those days, people are going to walk up to you. You know what I mean? He never had any privacy. It would be worse today, Rick, with cell phones and pictures, every single human. Oh, being. exactly. I know he, he would have been miserable, but, um, you know, it's fun for a while for all of us, you know, and, you know, God forbid, you know, everything today is about being relevant is, you know, it, it's great to be relevant and great to be recognized. And I'm, I'm the first to tell you, I, I love every minute of it. I'll hate it when it's over, but for Andre, it wasn't just being recognized. It was like, you know, people just, just stared, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, he just, um, I think at the end, you know, I, I, my conclusion is he just, one day he got home. I think he was there for his father's funeral, if I'm not mistaken. And then he passed away the next day or went home for his father's funeral. I think he just said, you know, there's nothing else for me to do. You know, and at that point in time, he his back was so bad and his knees and hips, he was, you God only knows how much discomfort, you know, so. He had a great run, was a great guy, and I have nothing but fond memories of him. And if he liked you, you were A1. If he didn't like you, he wasn't afraid to tell you. So was that was that pretty common for just to be on the road? You wrestle, and that night all the wrestlers go out and have a big time, no different than 
Like no, in the old in the old days we drove every night. Yeah, and then later on, and starting in the eighties, yeah, we'd spend the night. We would realize that we could bring some traffic to the local hotel. <laughs> yeah, you you know why drive at night when you can drive in the morning or fly if you make the money. <laughs> Once I got a grip on that, I figured that out. That driving at night, driving 3,000 miles a week at night, <laughs> drinking beer with a bunch of guys as opposed to going to a bar back then when women were 80% of our audience at least. <laughs> that had to be. That That in itself is a 30 for 30 that hadn't been done just on. Exactly. Yeah, you know, my wife said to me, that damn Rory, he painted you with, as being a guy that never came back from that disaster. <laughs> My wife hasn't talked to Rory since. You know, we just watched the Tina special, which by the way, if you haven't seen it, the new one on Tina Turner on HBO, it shows you know her career and the downs on how she finished up on top. I mean, like one of my favorite entertainers of all time. Rory, Rory was to leave me down here instead of the rise back. So you're helping me on the ride back here. <laughs> that that thirty for thirty is is fantastic. I watch it, and you mentioned Rory Rory Clark, who produced yeah. that. Actually, Rick, he's the same gentleman that did the special on my family, the, the book. I know. Of Manning. Yeah. So, no, I know. I know. I know. That's you know. But he awesome. left you guys on a high note. <laughs> See, you, you you and Eli and, and Archie and Peyton. Haven't had the problems that I've had. <laughs> well, we also haven't done several things. Wrestling's a different animal than football. <laughs> Rick, I would have much rather preferred to have 106 beers with Andre the Giant than hang out with Eli and Peyton all the time. Trust me. I've never met Eli, believe it or not. I've met Peyton. What a great guy. And what a great career. But, um, um, yeah, I know. I just Wrestling's a different animal. And for people that haven't really... What, what I do like about the 30 for 30 is people didn't realize that, you know, from the time from 1970, not in 72, and I, but from 1974 till 89 or 90, I worked every day of the year, twice on Saturday, twice on Sundays. Wow. And as the world champion, if I wasn't wrestling in my home, like which was North Carolina, which was very rarely, on Christmas, I would have to leave Christmas night to assure that the next day. There's nothing worse than checking into a hotel okay. on Christmas Eve anywhere because there's nobody there. And even worse than going back to the hotel after the matches on a Christmas night when the bartender goes, can I please go home to my family? What are you going to say? <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little... Yeah. You just leave me, you just leave the TV on and leave me 12 cold beers, honey. <laughs> I imagine the bar is a little, little barren on Christmas night. Not yeah, I, I, I tell my wife is the only time it ever worked for me was they had a, a major snowstorm in, in Denver and all the flights going out of Dallas were canceled. So I walked back to the hotel. It was the greatest party of all time. I said, <laughs> finally, because I was going to Dallas on a regular uh, that was a big deal with the Von Erich family and that. And I was there a lot on Christmas Eve and a lot on Christmas days. And, you know, as much pressure as I put on as I was close to there, man, to go, go nature, I got to go home. <laughs> Just have one more no, Rick. We, I got to go. So, you know, you're upstairs watching HBO. So that's, that's all you got. 
Soup with Coop is proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great! FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free, no deposit required, with a free entry to an NBA contest. Plus, for those who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Why do you play on FanDuel? FanDuel Fantasy is an easy-to-use app. Pick a new team every game. Different and unique contests across sports in relation to your skill level. Compete against your friends in head-to-head matchups. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free, no deposit required, with a free entry to an NBA contest. And FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com forward slash cowherd to sign up today. That is FanDuel.com forward slash cowherd so they know we sent you. FanDuel, more ways to win. Rick, in that 30 for 30, you did mention that over the course of your career, let's just call it, I did a little math here, which is frightening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's just call it from the age of 20 to 65 when you were kind of, you know, coming up and, and strong as ever, that that's uh, 45 years that you mentioned that you probably had sex with 10,000 women. And uh, that's just, just you know, that's 16,425 days. And of that 16,425 days, 10,000 women. So my math could be off, but it's really a new girl every day and a half. Well, I was on the road every day, but first of all, I didn't. I started at fifteen, so oh, sorry, you, you left five years off. Yeah, every two days, who, I who said I had to be a wrestler to to, to have a friend? <laughs> I started having I started having friends when I was a lifeguard. <laughs> all I'm doing every two days is having some soup, Rick. I mean, this is this is <laughs> unfair. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way you know that who knows if that number is accurate i just they threw it out there if i said 200 people would call me a liar yeah that's right no it's too late to be called a liar (laughs) people just assume the worst no no matter what you say they're going to call you a liar right so there you go i'm going to tell people you and i are friends they're going to be calling me a liar i assure you (laughs) no absolutely not I also, Rick, I used to, you know, this is the first time we've really got to got to speak, but I used to see you on the sideline to a lot of SEC football games, especially yes. down Sugar Bowl, let's see, Florida or Georgia. Yes. What was what was your tie-in to the Steve. SEC in football? Steve Spurrier. You started me. Yeah. You my, wife, my wife's talking over my back here, okay? I'll get to the kids. Calm down. She okay, no, I meant to talk to me, Rick. She probably wants. <laughs> I know what I'm wearing today. Me, giving me my, right. she's giving me my my SEC background. Okay, <laughs> so no, Steve was the coach of the Tampa Bay Bandits after the 49ers, right? I met him in Tampa, and we struck up a relationship. And when he went to Florida, I ran into him and he invited me to a game, and then I became friends with the entire staff. I still stay very close to a guy named Jim Collins, who just left the Duke coaching staff. Um, but I went to all the games, and I went to the I went to the game where they played in Nebraska out in Arizona. When they all of a sudden realized they had to start lifting weights, 
yep. in the SEC, right? And um, and then I went to the Sugar Bowl for the rematch, which they finally won for Florida State, which was a great time. And then actually I didn't follow the Gators for a while until uh, Steve went back to Columbia, South Carolina. And then I followed the South Carolina for a while. It wasn't like jumping teams. I just followed the coach. And now oldest stepdaughter who has graduated from Georgia went to Georgia on a, a on a half academic and half track scholarship as a D1 long distance runner for the for the Bulldogs. Wow. So I follow the Bulldogs and now my stepson will be a sophomore or actually a junior at Auburn. So I go down and drink a Charles Barkley every time I can at the Auburn games. And now my uh, <laughs> my middle stepdaughter is um, in Gainesville, so I've you know reached out to those guys, and they reached out to me actually. So um, Dan Mullins invited me to some games. I didn't go this year because of the COVID, but I'm sure I will be. And then I'm gonna be doing a lot of traveling because my youngest stepdaughter goes to um, Tempe, oh. and she'll be out there with uh, one of my favorite coaches, um, Herm Edwards. Uh, yeah, Herm Edwards, who I've never met, but I loved him as a commentator. And he's turned the program around, it looks like. They're getting better. So it, it takes a couple of years to recruit, but I'll be moving around. SEC and now the Pac-12. There you go. It's amazing, Rick. I mean, you're yeah around the SEC, but coaches love you and players love you. I texted my, my boys are in high school. I texted their head coach. I said, I'm talking to Rick Flair tomorrow morning. And he was going, oh, my God. You know, in 89, the, the rumble and in Chi-Town. Yeah. He, he goes, it's like, it's uh, Two claps and a Rick Flair. Woo! <laughs> That's all I wanted. We got it. Uh, well, let's let's talk. Just um, who did you consider your your – who did you love to wrestle the most? Who was, who was your. Well, I like, I like wrestling a lot of guys, but my favorite opponent is a guy. I just put up a, a, a post about him today with Ricky Steamboat. I feel like Ricky is one of the top two or three of all time. Doesn't get nearly the recognition he should have. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, there are a lot of guys that are really good, but they never, you know, I mean, he, he had great, huge success and was a big star, but, you know, in changing promotion, sometimes you get lost in a, in the, in the, in the turbulence of the move. There, there are things that happen just because of the nature of life and the way things go. I've been lucky enough every time I made a move, it was for the better. Actually, I made some moves that didn't work out for me, but at the end of the day, the WWE, saved me from that disastrous ending of WCW and brought me back. And I had in my fifties all the way to 59. When I retired with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24, I had enough to be with them, still work for them now. And uh, I can't give them enough credit. Hunter, Vince, Shawn, Stephanie, you know, whoever was involved in the whole thing, giving me that eight or 10 year run and of course, that fabulous retirement weekend. So, and now, you know, my daughter is. I want to talk about our, Charlotte. Let's talk yeah. about Charlotte Flair. I mean, yeah. wow. Unbelievable. Thank you. You've got to be so proud. Yeah, she's, yeah, I am. You have no idea. She's, she's raised the bar. Is she, is she leaning on you all the time for tips? And I mean, that's a, 
You know, I wish I could tell you she was. She'll call me to ask me what I think of something, but um, you know how some people are just raised to be in competition. And for the first time that she, um, you know, with, you start in, in gymnastics, obviously, I mean, I, I would highly recommend anybody having a child, whether it be man or woman, that, that little gymnastics. I, I'm only saying that because I've seen some kids, good amateur wrestlers that got that core from gymnastics before they started wrestling, you know. But she started and she could win every event but the uneven little pearl of ours because she kept growing in height, you know. And she went from there to being a, a she went from level nine there, which is just two from being in, you know, an Olympic candidate. And then to being an all-American cheerleader on a team that won four national titles. Um, and then from there, she had to make a decision and chose volleyball and went on a D1 scholarship. But she, she's been, she's been, you know, like an athlete that's, that's had to be at her best. She gets, I mean, all these kids that are like, like this weekend coming up, some of them haven't been in front of a huge crowd. We're expecting close to, you know, 25 plus each night, whatever, the, whatever the restrictions of COVID will allow. And some of the kids haven't been out there. I call them all kids. Some of the um, athletes haven't been out there in front of that atmosphere, which is entirely different. You know, they've done this phenomenal virtual thing in, in the, and you've seen it in the Thunderdomes. Yeah. which is cool, but it's not like being there in front of the crowd. And uh, she's she's been game ready since she was 15 years old. She hated and, uh And I just was one of those people. I mean, I was very sympathetic, but I also said, you know, you can get better. And, you know, and but I, I had the money to afford the personal training and all that, that you almost have to give an athlete now to compete at the D1 level in a real tough position. I mean, Unless they have so many natural gifts like a Herschel Walker, and there's a number of other kids like Bo Jackson, and I, I don't know who to think of in a contemporary time frame. But I mean, their athletes are just special. But nowadays, the, the competition is so high, you have to to provide that extra, you know, after practice, another hour of personal training to work on things that you need more work on. I would highly recommend that to anybody. That, that wants their children to, to compete at that level because it's, as you know, it's very competitive. Rick, I'm curious what kind of spectator you are as a dad. Can you can you be quiet and sit at the top nervous. of the stands and, and nervous? Can are you are you? No, I always always watch from back. Yeah, I do, but I it's very emotional for me. You know, it's it's very rare that um, someone in your family comes along and is that special. I mean. I can give you a hundred examples of where it hasn't worked for, for just using wrestling as an example. And, you know, we know of a hundred in, in, in football and probably more in basketball. And, you know, like Michael Jordan's kids were really good, but you know, Michael Jordan. So, and she's come along and, and she, she is a better athlete than I ever was. And I got no prime. I was a state champion wrestler. You know, I took fourth in the state in a shot put. I mean, but not, never at her level. So to compete at that level and be that good is something. I'm so proud of her. And uh, yeah, and she's dealt with all the adversity. You know, like you said, is if my name's in the conversation, it's good. Right. 
shocker, Brittany, it's going to be controversy. <laughs> Poor Brittany's just absorbing all this. <laughs> you can always say Brittany doesn't have rap songs named after it was Ric Flair Drip yet. You got that thing over. I know. I know. No, I know. I mean, but all that comes all these years later from stuff I never realized was so cool. I just thought to myself, man, I'm spending a lot of money on jewelry and alligator shoes. <laughs> and Rose. I don't. Yeah, Rose, of course. Rick. Your brothers will know about Friedman's in Atlanta, right? It's a shoe store, world famous shoe store here in Atlanta. And I, I still buy those damn alligators from Bruce. <laughs> you, can't, you can't stop it. You're hooked. No, I bought over 200 pairs of alligator shoes from Bruce Friedman since the 80s. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> alligator or lizard. Ah. Uh, Trying to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> did, did you ever get there? Did you ever catch the Joneses? Oh, they got to catch me now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't live the Joneses. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they don't change it. Keep it up with the flares. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, I was in there when I, I walked in one day when Ozzy Smith, Dave Parker, I can't remember, a couple more of the Reds were there, and they spent 40 grand. I thought, God, that's cool. So I spent eight. <laughs> I just holding up one quarter of the tradition. I can't remember who the fourth guy was, but oh, Bruce has just killed it over the years. God only knows what kind of money he's got. But anyway, it's a fabulous place. It's still in the same building on Mitchell Street. So I'd highly recommend if you're looking for shoes, anybody call Bruce Friedman. He's got them all in all sizes. Rick, I mentioned, you mentioned, you know, it's pretty funny that we're talking, you mentioned three guys that are going to be on Soup with Coop, Steve Spurrier, Herschel Walker, and Herm Edwards. So, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm well, glad I, I, the right guys. Yeah, they, been, they've already been on. Yeah, we've interviewed them and they're coming on. We're just trying to make sure we got the right soup. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, I'll tell you, tell Herschel, I said, oh, I love him to death. He's and Steve, and I just, I think Steve, uh, and you can tell him I said this. I've told a lot of people. I think Steve reinvented the way offensive uh, people think about football, especially in college. And I'll tell you what else Steve did. Steve is the reason all these coaches are making $5 million a year now. He was the first guy. Are, and uh, and, and, and won nine consecutive or nine out of 10 years. SEC championships in a school that had never won one with the tradition so rich. So I'm all about Steve and uh, I haven't met her, but tell him I'm a big fan. I'll be coming his way. Amen. Uh, lastly, Rick, this weekend, WrestleMania, Wrestle, yes. this weekend, WrestleMania 37. What do you, what do you like about wrestling now? How is it different? Yeah, it's different. Um, I think the main difference is that just the, the awareness of social media brings to it, but the actual event is the same. They've got to be, these kids are training right now. Like they're, you know, and, and they, and they really are. It's a different time. They're training like they're going to compete in an Olympic event on Saturday or Sunday. And they're, you know, they, they diet, they watch their weight. They, they, well, they watch what they eat. They know what their best, you know, they know what their level of comfort is to be at their best. Uh, and they're all that right now, they put a lot of hard work into this opportunity. And I'm so proud of all of them. You've got some great matches between Roman uh, Reigns and Edge and Daniel Bryan. 
just a lot of great matches and a lot of great athletes. I'm thrilled what they're going to have because they'll never forget it. It's a once in a lifetime thing. It's our Super Bowl. And I, I think the kids need to look at it as if how many great football players not only never win a Super Bowl ring, don't get there. I mean, tons of them, you know what I mean? And that's these kids that are not even just the ones that are main eventing, but just to be involved in the event. And I'm sure that they all sincerely feel that way. Is there going to be jealousy about who goes on last? Of course there is, but that's, that's the thrill of the game. But they all deserve everything they get. And I wish them nothing but happiness. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be great. And I think that the WWE will take this opportunity to put people's minds and take it away from the COVID in its terrible year that everyone's experienced, you know, whether it be health-wise, financially, whatever. And this will be a huge step into us making it the next day better for other for NFL football, baseball, and everybody else, because in like so many ways, which you're aware of, because I know you follow the sport, I can tell by talking to you. Vince and the WWE have been number one in the paving the way. I mean, in, in sports entertainment, they certainly have. I mean, you can look at the spectacular events from WrestleMania and, and see what how it's evolved in the NFL's opening and pyro and all the special effects. So my hat's off to them and I'm sure it'll be a great event and uh, Tampa will be on fire. The, 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 this, this event will, will, will be equal, if not better, I think even better than the Super Bowl. Well, Rick, I cannot thank you enough for, uh, for agreeing to be my second guest on Soup with Coop. As always though, we always taste the soup and we give it a ranking okay. between one and 1,000. So give me a little taster to see how, how the kitchen performed. Well, I'm going to give that a 9.99. Well, there's always room for improvement. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Ben. I've been on, I've been on with a manning man. Woo! Keep styling and profiling. Look at the only you can look. Walking that aisle. Woo! Limousine riding jet flying. My man, Nature Boy, out of here. Woo!